Okay. All right. It's the Thunder Brothers, man. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Well, good morning, fellas. Hello. 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 So, uh, Paul, it it arrived this week. My Tarzan animated series DVDs, you know, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. old Filmation Tarzan from back in the late 70s. Nice, nice. And I got to tell you, first off... This is the most important thing, you know, because as we as we explore those things that we enjoyed in our childhood, it holds the fuck up. Does it really? I watched two episodes of that last night. And I'm like, this is fantastic. <laughs> it was so good. I mean, it's, you know, very truncated storytelling. And yeah, it's 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 very Saturday morning in that uh, Tarzan spouts a lot of wisdom, you know, so that they could call it educational television. But mm-hmm. uh, it was awfully darn good. And huh. I, I spent some time in, in part of one episode going, okay, if this is happening in, in you know Victorian era uh, Africa, why are there Vikings here? <laughs> uh, but you know they 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 do wind up explaining that for the for the Saturday morning crowd. But it was awfully good. I I've only two episodes in, but it was really good. But I will say, they did nothing to restore the footage. Well, to be fair, all 12 people who buy the DVD aren't necessarily <laughs> yeah. going to pay for the cost of restoring the yeah. footage. Yeah, well, I mean, seriously, the, the it, it was like someone took a print that had been laying on the floor, and so all the dust and, 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 and dirt and whatnot, you know, they didn't bother cleaning that print one little bit. But, uh, man, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It was a lot of fun to watch. I had no extras at all on the DVD. It is just the episodes. But it's the entire series. <laughs> you know, they call it season one. But uh-huh. they really only made a season of the show. There were only like 18 episodes that were made that they ran into perpetuity. Uh, I, but, I mean, it's a $15 uh, price tag for the DVD, and I'm just thoroughly enjoying it. So Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah and it's got I have me, an update on something. Oh, well, and it, it's given me a boner to watch the old Flash Gordon because it's made by the same studio and voiced by the same actors. And so now I'm going to have to go back and watch the new adventures of Flash Gordon when I'm done with this. I enjoyed that Flash Gordon series, oh, too. Oh, that Flash Gordon series rocks. Not Holds up a hell of a lot better than Defenders of the Earth. Oh, Defenders of the Earth sucks. <laughs> it is <laughs> such a bad show. Such I loved it when it came show. out, but woof. Well, yeah, well, you were like two, so you know, yeah. we, we can forgive you for that. <laughs> but okay, I have an update on something from last week, too. Oh, dear. Update me, Paul. Well, so we talked about my Suicide Squad concerns, right? Yes. Your, deep, and, and, your and, deeply held Suicide Squad concerns. Mm-hmm. And how I wanted to to dress as the Joker for that run and blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah. Yep. So I got the shirt. I went and got the shirt. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's awesome. And on top of that, I got the um, you know, there's that mystery box Legion of Collectors DC thing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they they it's like nerd bo- or loot crate, but just specific to DC and Funko. Uh-huh. And it was themed to Suicide Squad this month, and it had some cool stuff in it. I'm pretty psyched about it. It had, like, Joker and Harley Quinn action figures. It had an Enchantress Funko Pop, a t-shirt, and a reprint of Suicide Squad number one. It had, like, a bunch of stuff in it. What was the t-shirt? Um, it's the the Suicide Squad cast, but it, done as Funko Pops. Nice. Yeah, nice. so, I mean, I... I 
it, it was a it was a, a worthy box. You know, usually on these mystery box things or subscription box, I should say they're not really mysteries. Huh. Um, you know, we, 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 we tend to come up disappointed after we open the box and go through it or find only one thing that we like. Like, oh, this Star Wars keychain key is the best thing in this box. But no, this one, like the entire box, is good. <laughs> fail crate. Fail crate. Yeah. <laughs> we totally have to do fail crate. <laughs> fail crate. <laughs> the unboxing I feel of like fail we crate. can very easily do fail crate. <laughs> With all of our loot crate leftovers. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Yeah, you I, know, I could edit a few things from all of the grab boxes I've gotten at uh, conventions that have nothing in it that are any good. Well, what our listeners don't get to see is the the, the big giveaway of uh, all of our loot crate leftovers at ManCon. Yeah. <laughs> Here, take it. I don't. It's not coming home with me. <laughs> Here's that Halo lunchbox I'll never use. Ooh. <laughs> well, you know, uh, amongst other obsessions, uh, Pokemon Go came out this week. And the thing that I, I'm not a Pokemon guy, but the thing that fascinates me about it is that it uses that augmented reality uh, uh, technology that you know uh, Marvel was using so heavily that we haven't talked about in a while. But you know we enjoyed it to, to some degree. I just wish that they'd integrate it with the digital comic. But uh, I know that Wayne has lost his mind to Pokemon Go. Yeah, the last so it came out. Uh, I think Thursday. At least I found I found out it was out Thursday, so I downloaded it. And so how the app works, it's got built-in GPS and maps, and I think it's tied into, like, Google. But, you know, you wander around the real world, find and catch Pokemon, and there are gyms out there, and there are uh, what they call Pokestops. All of the stops are points of interest. So, like, I'm looking at it, and there's, you know, here's a park, and the park has a plaque in one location. That'll be a point of interest. So the whole app is actually designed pretty much to get you out and walking. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, driving you to exercise. Well, it sounds like there's an element of geo-tracking in it. You know, like it's... There is. And there's also, uh, you can get eggs, and then put the eggs in an incubator, and it tracks your steps. And each step works towards hatching it. So my wife and I... I just want to make I, sure we're, we're not referring to literal eggs. We're referring to something in the program. Well, you have to harvest them from, from a real woman, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> or a chicken, but I'm glad Aaron went there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking a chicken, but, you know, whatever. But let's make it creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so my wife and I have been, uh, the last two nights, basically been driving around trying to find places that have these big batches of uh, the Pokestops to wander around. Uh, it takes into account what type of area you're in. So if you want to catch water Pokemon, for example, you have to go somewhere where there's a lake or a river. Not where there's a pool. <laughs> no, a pool won't do it. And so if you want to capture fire Pokemon, you got to walk into a furnace. <laughs> this seems like a liability. <laughs> I know there have been uh, accidents with people staring at their phone already. Oh, you know, but that's it's the kind best. Of cool. I used to geocache, and it kind of reminds me of it because we'll be out there and we'll look up, and there's another group of people that are there all staring yeah. at their phones, and they'll look up, and everyone will realize we're all doing the same thing. Uh, and, and see, I love geocaching. Geocaching is a lot of fun. 
Uh, and so that's I am not a Pokemon guy, but the fact that it combines kind of that that geocache aspect to it plus the augmented reality has me very interested. I haven't picked up the app yet because I was like, resist, Aaron, resist. But uh, I have found so many things nearby that I didn't know were there. Really? Just like little pieces of history or little uh, points of interest I didn't know existed. We ate at a restaurant yesterday that I didn't know existed. Do you think that it's a – because this is the kind of – the world's a big place, right? So is it some kind of algorithm they use or have they actually – program this stuff that's what that's what i'm kind of fascinated by so this has to tie into something pre-existing and i i'm assuming it's google Uh but it was interesting because like you'll click a point of interest and it'll give you a a thing about that it'll tell you what it is so like uh there'll be a historical plaque you can you click on that and it'll tell you what that plaque is and it'll have a picture of it hmm so it has to have some sort of uh, back end that it's tying into that is huge. And I mean, some of the points of interest, it goes anywhere from here's a Toys for Tots drop off to every statue I've found anywhere is a point of interest in the game. Hmm. Well, I can tell you that my comic book shop guy uh, said that they made his shop a point of interest and he's getting a ton of traffic from this game. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so he wanted you to thank him for that. <laughs> you, can, you definitely, when you're out there, you see any of these places, you just look around, and there are a ton of people there on their phone. Wow! And there was a I want to become gym. a point of interest. <laughs> How do I become a point of interest? And just like no matter where I go, people have to follow. <laughs> Into the bathroom. <laughs> well, it was also funny. Yesterday, we found a gem, and there was somebody apparently nearby and we just kept battling back and forth taking over the gym until you hit him with a brick <laughs> mr aponte <laughs> I'm sorry. We murdered them. mr aponte i'm sorry to uh, you know to interrupt you while you're in the bathroom but i need to get that shamazard over there <laughs> <laughs> you wait your turn you know i I've, uh, i i can't seem to get it to download to my phone Oh, your flip, your flip phone? Is that a problem? <laughs> <sighs> I love you, Tim. <laughs> to my TI-82 calculator. <sighs> well, maybe you can download it to your tricorder, you know. Oh, maybe. Ooh, maybe. My, 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 uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Star Trek Beyond comes out, what, in two weeks? Uh, the 20th, or the 21st, I should say. Yeah. Oh, certain cities, not mine, bastards, are getting um, a chance to see it a day early as part of a Star Trek Beyond marathon uh, in IMAX. So if you have an IMAX theater nearby, check out IMAX.com. There's a listing of theaters that are showing all three movies uh, Wednesday the 20th, um, and they're the only way you can see Star Trek Beyond before Thursday. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry you can't, you can't join us, Paul. What? You're not seeing it. Oh, yeah, I am. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, you bastard. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. But uh, I am taking uh, that Friday off uh, to go see the film. Yeah, I'm, I will likely do the same. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about the movie. But I understand that there is some very important Sulu news this week, Paul. 
Yeah, so they they announced officially, um, you know, that Sulu in the film would uh, be a, a gay character, and he would have a husband, and they would have a child. Oh wow! Uh, and you know, they, they said they, they they're not making a big deal of it. It's not a thing in the movie. It right. you know, it, it's just, like it's just part of his character. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not a focus of the film. They don't want to make a thing. You know, I think that's great. You know, uh, st- folks have been pushing on Star Trek for years to have a core member in the cast be from the LGBT community. Uh, and, of course, I think that it is apropos that Sulu be that character. I think that's fantastic. I, well, you know who disagrees with you, Aaron? George Takei. George Takei disagrees with you. Really? Yeah. He said, I, he said that's not the character. He said, that is not the character that Gene Roddenberry created. Uh-huh. So I feel like they should have done it with a new character. Well, he's absolutely correct. It's not the character that Gene Roddenberry created, nor are any of the of the characters in the Kelvin timeline. And by the way, that's what we call it now because uh, CBS. Yeah, I caught Par- that. I'm like, when, when yeah. did we start calling it? That? About two weeks ago, CBS Paramount released because they need to make the distinction because they're releasing the 50th anniversary Star Trek Encyclopedia, and they didn't want to call it JJ Trek or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. and so they needed a term. And it's particularly significant because CBS also verified this week, and this is huge news, and it made me tremendously excited and happy that the new Brian Fuller television show takes place in the original timeline. I I never imagined that that would happen. I, I'm sure that's being done for the legal reasons. You know, that, that I'm sure that's how they were able to finally settle some of this stuff. Between right, CBS, CBS and Paramount? Yeah, yeah, you get your you get original timeline. Paramount gets Kelvin timeline. Yeah. Well, and that's great because my the original timeline belongs on TV. I mean, and that's where mm-hmm. Star Trek is at its best. Yeah, I loves me some Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, but Star Trek is fundamentally a television show because it examines issues uh, and stories that aren't appropriate that aren't interesting to a, to a movie going audience. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, give me the Kelvin universe on screen with the big blow em up fast and furious action, which makes that a lot more appealing to me knowing that I'm going to get, you know, long story form on, uh, CBS. I- I'm super excited about this. Super excited about it. And Paul, did you see the link I sent yeah. you last night? Uh, no. So there is a service, and apparently it's been around for uh, more than a year, but I, I just became aware of it yesterday. Um, similar, not not really a loot crate service, but a uh, uh, a service where you buy, you subscribe to the ships of Star Trek, and it's uh, the the website is st hyphen starships.com. You don't spell it hyphen, it's the dash, right? Um, but, <laughs> you don't spell out hyphen. Right. Uh, but it's it's uh, die-cast figures of all the ships of Star Trek, and so every other week, they send you a new ship, and they're, mm-hmm. I mean, they're exquisitely crafted. Uh, lots of detail. Uh, they give you, there are a bunch of freebies that they give you on odd months, plus they give you a magazine uh, that all about the ship, and they make the magazine uh, available. You know, to- I've seen this uh, not for Star Trek, but they have a similar thing for Batmobiles. Oh, okay. Well, they the uh, the uh, 
magazine is available both digitally, and that's what got me. Is that because I'm always uh, I'm always like, man, I just I want the magazines digitally. I want to be able to read them wherever I go. I don't have to drag a magazine with me, and they make it available to you digitally. And it's and for me, it's fantastic for role playing games because it gives you all the technical data on the ship. It gives you uh, you know blueprints like the bridge floor plan, uh, all this oh, fantastic nice. stuff. And I'm like, fuck, I need this in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I do. I, I I need this. I need it, Paul. And Sorry, are you getting it? Yeah, I totally am. I totally <laughs> am because I mean, first off, diecast metal uh, starship ships, uh, Star Trek yeah. ships. I mean, you know, it, it already it's catnip, right? And then you throw in the digital magazine, and then these assorted freebies that they give you on the odd months. Uh, mm. The only thing I object to about it. And I, you know, I was like, oh, 1995 a ship. That's not not a big deal. And then it's like, oh, it's not 1995 a month. It's 1995 every other week. And I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of expensive. And that's going to be a, a box to my house every other week. That's going to be really hard to distract the wife every other week from the mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to know uh, what the betting uh, the betting lines are for which ship Suzanne steps on first oh, while yeah. she's cleaning. <laughs> oh. Yeah, w- which which one uh, you know uh, she catches on her barefoot? Yeah. Yep. yeah, 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 like a Lego. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, your your board cube. Yeah, I got bad news, Aaron. Well, the the board okay. cube they have actually lights up. It oh. lights up. It lights up in the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> so, Aaron, do you know why they call the new Star Trek uh, timeline the Kelvin timeline? Because uh, I was the, about to ask that. USS Kelvin is where uh, encountered the Romulans. Yes, but yeah. the, so Kelvin, J.J. Abrams uses Kelvin in all of his movies. So if you've ever seen Star Wars, if like that's a stupid fucking thing to say. Anyone who's seen Star Wars: The Force <laughs> Awakens, there's a reference to Kelvin Ridge. Oh, um, Kelvin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when uh, Ray is talking to BBH. She says it's right over Kelvin Ridge or something like that. Okay. Um, Kelvin is J.J. Abrams' grandfather. Oh. So that's why he uses the name in all of his uh, properties. I did not know that. So that's where Kelvin came from in the USS Kelvin, and that's why we have the Kelvin timeline. So it's still it's it's still you know an homage to J.J. Abrams, but yeah, that makes sense. Without calling it the J.J. timeline, right? Well, particularly since you know he's over there doing Star Wars shit now. Yeah, it's crazy that you know that guy J.J. Abrams like that, that guy, that guy freaking J.J. Abrams. He's like, yeah, you know, I created this TV show Alias. It was fine, you know, like eh, people still talk about it sometimes, uh-huh. and you know now he's like, oh well, you know, now I reinvented Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah, like. Like, you know, like, what's next, JJ? Yeah, I did that. <laughs> well, and, and and this is the guy who was going to do a Superman movie something like 10 years ago before they did Man of Steel, but it fell through. Right. So, like, if he had done Superman, Star Trek, and Star Wars, I mean, how, it doesn't get better than that. And, and, frankly, discovered by Steven Spielberg from doing fan films. Right. Like, this guy, I mean, yeah. he works for it. Don't get me wrong. But damn. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I want that. I want that shit on my resume. There's I would have loved to have seen a Superman that he did. Well, there's still time. There's still time. <laughs> exactly. If they if they if they keep going the way they're going, they'll need JJ in a couple years. Yeah. Well, you know, at some point, you know, uh, either DC is going to realize that they they need to have a real filmmaker working on some of this stuff, or uh, you know, Marvel might make a bad movie. <laughs> 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 but you know, at some point, he'll he'll do something. 
you know what? Maybe DC should just get the people that do their animated movies to make their live action. You know, I, I, damn Wayne, that yeah. was a good transition. God. <laughs> made made less so by the acknowledgement of the transition. Yeah, well, you know, that's what we do. That's what we do around here. Just because we do that to you, Paul, doesn't mean we should do that to everybody else. That's what I do. I sort of love company. <laughs> But I, you know, Paul, uh, July 25th, The Killing Joke is going to be released to theaters, uh, you know, which is sort of a, a strange thing because it is a straight to DVD movie. Uh, but well, it, and we mentioned it, you know, a couple weeks ago or last week. I don't know. We, they all run together <laughs> at this point. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about how we had our tickets. We were looking forward to it, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and this week it was announced that uh it is fathom events so fathom events is um one of it's like the company that does these uh you know metropolitan opera house uh shows and and you know classic movies on the big screen things like that they're they're basically the event thing and they used to just be in one theater but i think now they show them in regal and amc that kind of thing um so Fathom Events has booked 1,075 U.S. cinemas. That is its crazy. widest, its widest rollout of all time. Um, it, the, the the previous winner, the previous was for um, Ghostbusters, which was something around, which was 860 locations. So this is 215 more screens than the presentation of Ghostbusters that, that they is, did. That is just nuts. And it's and it's because they it, it previously was um, less than that, but because there were so many sellouts, they have now expanded it onto more screens. That's great. Yeah, there's I two, mean, that's there's two awesome. showings at mine. There's a I'm seeing like the seven thirty showing, and then there's mm-hmm. a ten o'clock showing. Now I'm going for the seven thirty. Yeah. But um, I mean that that's crazy that it's that popular. Well, um, you know, and I think you know maybe they should do it with more, but you know. Half of those DC films are kind of shitty, right. so no. I, I think I think you let the quality lead, and you know this has got it's got the benefit of Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, you know, reprising their roles, hmm. right? Uh, it has the benefit of being the out the the Alan Moore book that you know there's there's a lot of I don't want to call it popular, but there's a, there's a lot of attention to it, right? You know, it's a yeah. it's a it's a must read story in the Batman universe. Well, and let's face it, looking at the movies, the ones that they've done well with have all been Batman. Well, yeah. Well, an executive producer, Bruce Tim, was is on this as well. Speaking of Batman, yeah, but I mean, you know, this, it's kind of a perfect storm for this. So yeah, you wouldn't have wanted to release Justice League versus Teen Titans because yeah, it's a terrible movie. Uh, <laughs> Did I ever even see that? I don't know that God, I ever even saw that. So bad, it is. So <laughs> I don't know that bad. I saw it. There is Holy lit- crap. There is literally a Teen Titans dance contest in the film. Oh. it is. Yeah, so bad. You know why we never talked about it? I never saw it. Yeah, you bought it, um, but you know what? You what bought it. Good though. You bought it. Though, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Eric, you know what would have been good? I can think of two movies right off the top of my head that I wish they had done this for. Uh-huh. One is the uh, full. Batman Dark Knight. Absolutely. Would love to see that. And Justice League Gods and Monsters. Yeah, both of those would be great. And they could still do them. Yeah, that's the thing. They could, but I think doing it this way Mm -hmm. will get more people in. Well, doing it before Before, the release. But, you know, I mean, you could – wouldn't it be great to see see them do something like a double feature or something? 
you know. And what I'm hoping, oh. what's what's nice about these Fathom events is a lot of times you'll get some commentary. You know, you'll you'll get like an interview beforehand or afterwards with uh, mm-hmm. the creators. You'll get some behind the scenes stuff. Uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to that as well. You know, maybe we get to see Mark Hamill and, and Kevin Conroy talk to us. In fact, they they did say that that's one of the things. There's going to be a, a presentation before the film um, featuring Mark Hamill. Yeah, see, I love those those, those you know. Get, when I went to go see Battlestar Galactica's Razor, they did the same thing. They had Ron Moore talking to you, uh, and they they did it you know because the Razor is broken into two pieces. So they had it you know before the show started and then at the middle break. Uh, it was great. I like that. I like that kind of thing. Yes, these sounds so cool. Cause I've never been to anything like this before, where it's a uh, straight to DVD or a TV show brought to theater. Yeah, uh, Wayne, have you are you are you going to go see it? Oh yeah, definitely. There's no way I can miss this. I mean, I, I feel like if I support it, then we'll get more things like it. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I'm wondering, they haven't announced what's coming up after Killing Joke. Um, and usually that comes out once they once the box art comes out for for the for the film, because it'll show, you know, a first look at, you know, the next DC film and it, it'll have the name. Um, and I'm sure I don't know what the next one's going to be. Probably Batman related. Who knows? But um for me, it's just like supporting these things means maybe we'll get more. But I'm wondering that maybe we're kind of nearing the end of these New 52 animated films. Mm-hmm. Because with the New 52 over in comics, there's really nothing. You know, I think the whole reason they wanted to do that was to have this um, synchronicity between the movies and the comic books. Well, now that New 52 is out, you know, it would be nice to get back to to stepping out of that universe in the, in the animated properties. Because outside of the Batman films, it just didn't work well. I don't know. I like Flashpoint Paradox, but I guess that was right before that. Yeah, that was the last one that that they did before the because mm-hmm. what was it? Justice League War was where that started. I think you give it eighteen months or so, and you'll probably have a Justice League rebirth. Would be my guess. You, you'd see some kind of re, you know rebirth uh, animated feature. Which I mean, because I, Flashpoint have, did well for them. It, it did, and it was a good film. Flashpoint mm-hmm. was really actually pretty good. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing that on July 25th. It's going to be right after uh, San Diego Comic-Con and, of course, right after the uh, the release of Star Trek Beyond. So that, that July that weekend of July 20-something is going to be very, know, right? yeah. very good for, uh, for geekdom. Yeah. So, Wayne, you love Miles Morales, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not reading his current book because I didn't care with for what they did to him <laughs> after they brought him in. Yeah, but, but I it, really like the character. But the original Ultimate uh, Comics run, you 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 loved yourself some some Miles Morales, and we know that Tim yep. loves some uh, Lady Thor over in the, the the over in the the Thor books. And so why not take both of those things, those two great tastes that taste great together, and apply them to Iron Man? Why wouldn't you do that? Seems like a license to print money. Or a gimmick. <laughs> so we found out this week that uh, after the conclusion of Civil War II, uh, Iron Man will be replaced by a new Iron Man, which seems a little strange because the uh, the new Iron Man is actually a girl, a teenage girl, 15, I believe, and African-American. 
Uh, and she is apparently building uh, armor that's, you know, a generation removed, a generation advanced from uh, Tony's armor. Well, so let me I'm, I'm going to give a flip side, not a flip side, because I mean, I really don't care about that one. There will be two Iron, <laughs> will be two Iron Men. Um, they'll, they'll be this Ricky character. And the other one will be the infamous Iron Man, um, who's Victor Von Doom. Uh-huh. So, so we'll have two Iron Men. Uh, neither will be Tony Stark. Now, Doom in the armor for a short time sounds interesting. So, I want to talk about something in relation to this. These announcements. So, Marvel made a bunch of announcements of their post Civil War books, and let me just list a couple of these off for you guys. So, there's that Iron Man. There's the infamous Iron Man. There's Solo. I guess it's based on that Spider-Man character. Oh, it's not Doctor based on Strange. Han. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not based on Han. No. <laughs> they already have that one. Okay. Uh, there's Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme. Um, there's one that I'm actually looking forward to, which is called Champions, um, which is a team book written by Mark Wade that has um, young characters, including Miles Morales, Nova, Viv Vision, uh, Amadeus Cho, Hulk. Uh, young Cyclops and Miss Marvel. So none of the original champions. No, but it sounds like a fun book. Like, and it's written, and it's got art by Umberto Ramos. So that um, sounds up my alley. Umberto Ramos. Damn it, Paul! You see, you had me sold with Mark <laughs> Wade, and then I'm thinking, okay, these are some of these are really good characters. Some of them I don't care about. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna give this a shot. This is this is probably gonna be pretty good. And then you twist the knife with Umberto Ramos. <laughs> well. I, I, I think it looks good, and you know I like Umberto Ramos. Um, and then for Tim, you've got the Unworthy Thor, Jesus written Christ. by Jason Aaron with art by Olivier Copiel. But you know, all of these. Here's my concern with this, and 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 we'll get, we can talk about the individual announcements. But my concern about this is that all of these are announced as ongoing titles, right? Right. Is there such a thing in the Marvel universe anymore? No. Because by the time these number ones hit, no title will probably be even at issue 12. Right. Like, we get reboots every year from new number one titles line-wide from Marvel every year now. Um, and it's kind of frustrating that, like, don't announce it as an ongoing series anymore. Nothing is an ongoing series anymore. Well, um, well what ongoing series means is that they haven't planned out the end. That's what I'm taking it at now from Marvel. Like, if they call it a miniseries, that means they have the whole storyline figured out. If they call it an ongoing then they don't have any idea how they're going to end it. They're still going to end it in 12 issues, but they haven't planned that ending yet. Well, I wish Marvel would just, if this is what they want to do, then they probably just need to level set with their fans. Hey, guys, we're going to do print our comics in seasons. They're going to be 12-episode seasons, just like a TV show, and we're going to have a new number one every year. Just, just do that. Don't, I mean, start dicking me around and calling these things ongoing series, because I don't think any Marvel title gets over issue 12 anymore. Um... I don't know. It's 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 a minor quibble since I'm not buying anything from Marvel, <laughs> <laughs> other than other than Doctor Strange. But it, it's just kind of funny to me that like like we just got relaunches on most of these titles. I mean, most of them aren't even past issue six yet, and um, you know, post Secret Wars, and now we're getting the announcements of all the new Civil War two post um, titles. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm excited about some of these. I mean, like. Unworthy Thor by Jason Aaron and Olivier Copiel. That's a stellar, you know, creative team. Meh. But whoa, <laughs> not, whoa, not whoa. what's up with that, Tim? 
Not interested. Seriously. What? Why is that? Abs. That's surprising hey, to me. Hey, does he have Majolner? Does he have his arm bag? Did they? Does he still look like <laughs> stupid ass Thor Odinson? Well, he, sure he has does. a metal arm, and he yep. has a Majolner. Yeah, I'm it's out. It's not his. He's got the ultimate uh, Thor's Majolner. Oh, with yeah. the, with the axe on the end. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, he's not good enough to have his stuff back. Well, because he's unworthy. Uh, yeah, so yeah. you know what? That book's unworthy of my money. <laughs> I still want him to tell the story of what made him unworthy. Yeah, like, how long are we going to have to wait for that thing? Um, because he was white and there wasn't enough diversity. There's That's why he's unworthy. It's the same reason Tony Stark is unworthy. <laughs> I, I, I just... Mic drop and... <laughs> Stop. I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm interested in champions. I'm interested in unworthy Thor. I'm interested in Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme, even though I'm behind on the Doctor Strange book right now. Um, but I don't know. I, I, Marvel for me, it's I can't get too invested in 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 anything because nothing lasts more than a year. It well, seems. I'm sure they're already planning their Civil War three or whatever the hell is going to be coming up next. Well, and as someone who has not engaged in. Uh the Marvel universe really since uh, the end of secret wars. It's uh it's been rather liberating. I, I, <laughs> I find, I seriously, I find that I am much less annoyed and I was like, you know, I, I think I found peace. <laughs> I mean, you, know, I, you know what peace looks like to me? What's that? Paul? Peace looks like a two ninety nine comic book. Like, like it's kind of nice not spending four ninety nine for the newest issue of Thor. Yeah. You know, or and don't get me wrong. DC, you, you guys are, are are certainly guilty of it right before rebirth of you know those five dollar Batman issues, yeah. but yeah, you know two ninety nine is is really damn nice. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I I I have bought almost every single rebirth book because of the price point. Yeah, but you know what? DC made a bigger announcement than any of Marvel's announcements this week. Tell us, Paul. The I I, I was throwing money at my iPad yesterday. When I read that DC Comics will be publishing, are you, are you sitting down? I'm sitting down. <gasps> He-Man meets the Thundercats crossover. <laughs> so this is a thing. This is a thing. And every <laughs> by, and every forty year old boy squealed. <laughs> <laughs> written by Mattel head writer and Masters of the Universe lead creative Rob David and supervising producer Lloyd Goldfine with art by Freddie Williams the second, who's the artist on that Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah. Turtles book. Yeah, um, it's a six issue series featuring He Man in the and the world of the Thundercats colliding. I'm freaking excited. I, I I'm genuinely freaking excited about this. Oh, it's going to be so good, Aaron. It's going to be so ridiculously good. He man. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, very excited. I'm more excited than any of those Marvel books I just talked about. That is too hysterical. <laughs> but, you know, we talk about how our show goes in phases. Like, if you look at our early episodes, it's all Blackest Night. If you look at, you know, a couple of months, it'll be all Marvel or all DC. We, we go in, 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 in fluctuations. And right now we're in a very heavy... Like we just said, we're, we're in a very heavy, not picking up Marvel books, reading a lot of DC. Um, so we have a lot of DC books to talk about this week, and we should probably start talking about some of those. Yeah, Paul, uh, and I'll starting point out this- that uh, we're heavy into DC right now after buying very little DC right before that. Yeah. Rebirth yeah, really it, brought Rebirth us all really back. Brought- 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, deservedly so. I mean, there are some quality books in there. Um, let's talk about Justice League number one, or Justice League Rebirth number one, I should say, because there will be a Justice League number one. But this is that one shot that kind of introduces the creative team. Um, this Rebirth one shot is written and drawn by Brian Hitch. Um, the actual series, I think, is written by Brian Hitch with art by Tony Daniel. We all read this book. Yep. Um, so... Wayne, why don't you go ahead and start us off? What would you think of Justice League Rebirth number one? So one thing I had been wondering about all of this time is how they're going to get the, you know, the pre-Flashpoint Superman that is the current Superman into the Justice League. Because these characters have a history with the other Superman. And what I really enjoyed about this uh, Rebirth book is that's kind of one of the points of it is that they had a history with the other Superman. This isn't their Superman and he doesn't just fit and they're not sure how to even interact with him. They all have differing opinions on him. I really enjoy that, that they're taking time to consider that in the storyline, that they're not just glossing over it and saying he's Superman now, he's part of the team. So I, I enjoyed the book quite a bit, even though it has Cyborg in it. Yeah. This, bo- this book sucked. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> God damn it. Thank you. Hey, has anybody else played Mass Effect 1, 2, or 3? Because no. if you have, that's exactly what we read. I, I do admit that was the first thing I thought, especially Holy when they crap. even called it a Reaver. Yeah, they called it a Reaper instead of a Reaver. It looks exactly the same. The little squid guys that are jumping on people's faces look exactly like Reavers from Mass Effect 2. They even have the gall to say, oh, we're doing this to uh, save you, which is basically what the Reavers do. They assimilate you because you're all going to die anyways. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. And so I'm like, I I, I need you to I'm, – I'm okay with taking aspects of that, but – when you basically word for word it like that, I'm like, man, this book sucked. <laughs> uh, can, can we, with the exception of the pages between Lois and Clark, I hated this book. I hated this book with everything I had. I hated the writing and I hated the art. Uh, for some reason, I feel like Brian Hitch's art works really well in the Ultimates. Uh, I do not feel like it works well uh, with the Justice League. Um, I didn't like the way he drew anybody in this book. Um, and I certainly didn't care for the writing, uh, with the exception of the, the, the Lois and Clark scene. Yeah, I, I like what Wayne said. You know, I agree with what Wayne said about how the Justice League isn't just automatically putting their arms around the Superman. They don't trust him. They don't understand why there's an extra Superman that they never heard about before until their Clark died. Um, so, yeah, I think it makes sense that they don't trust him and certainly why Batman wouldn't trust him. Uh, and I like that. I, it creates some tension. But the the characters don't look right to me. Um, and they, they are – there is a scene where it's got a panel with Aquaman and Wonder <laughs> Woman. And Wonder – I mean it, it almost looks like a child drew Wonder Woman. She's so uh, – Hyper extended. She, it, the her her face is just weirdly contorted. Uh, it's just it, it's just weird the way it's drawn. I don't know if that's just because he was rushed or what. Um, I also don't care for the way he drew Batman because he drew Batman more like 
something from the Chris Nolan universe with the way his his, uh, his cowl is shaped. Uh, I, I and he also does this thing. There's a panel where uh, I really feel like Batman's ears should extend into the next panel, but he just crops them in that panel. Uh, and it just really didn't work for me. There was uh, just a number of artistic choices that he made that just really didn't work for me. And when you, you wrap that together with the fact that the story didn't work, uh, I really hated this book. Did you notice that the art is actually better on the newer characters? Like I had no, I had oh, some like of the on same the Green Lanterns. Yeah. Yeah. I had some of the same issues with the art that you guys did, but I noticed like when the Green Lanterns are on the page, I have no complaints about how they're done. I, I would agree with that because I did notice like uh, when Simon Baz and and Jessica show up, uh, I liked those pages better. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he just grooves to those characters more, but you know, there's a lot of posing in the book, and I can't stand that either. You know, the the, the last page, big pose. There's some poses. You know, they do this thing where they line up to you know tell the alien to get off their planet. And I mean, it's just so hokey and it doesn't, sometimes that works. Sometimes that works in a Justice League book or an Avengers book, you know, where it's practically got the American flag running behind them. It did not work in this book. It did not execute well. And I think it's time for us to acknowledge that Brian Hitch is a, is a visual storyteller, but he is not a narrative storyteller. He is not somebody who is a good writer of words, (laughs) you know, uh, I, it, it, this book just did not work for me. So, Paul, tell me. Yeah. What'd you think? I err more on the side of, of uh, Tim and Aaron and than I do on the side of Wayne. And I, I will agree that I enjoyed not just the narrative aspect, but also the art on the Lois and Clark quiet scene. Yes, I did. But you don't hire Brian Hitch to do quiet scenes. You hire Brian Hitch to do action. And none of that worked for me. Right. Um, I feel like, and yes, it's a one shot and I get that, but I feel like the, the overall story in that narrative where Superman shows up, they, they all shoot at something off panel uh-huh. mind you. Like you don't actually see them blasting the creature. They're all shooting off panel. And tell me that didn't and, remind you of the first Avengers movie in New York. You know, oh, the, yeah. it just, the, the, the creature, the whole bit. I mean, I, I know it's, it's also a ripoff from Mass Effect, but it also felt like a ripoff of the Avengers movie. See, I didn't think that until you just mentioned it. Now that's what I'm thinking looking at it. I Like Tim, I was caught up in the whole uh, Mass Effect aspect of it. Yeah, it was very – this book was very derivative of, of other properties. Yeah. And you can call it homage, but it wasn't. You know, <laughs> it, it, was, it, it wasn't. It, it, it was ripoff. Um, and I, I've, I'm not a big fan of Brian Hitch as a writer. Right. And – Quite frankly, I'm not really a big fan of his as an artist anymore. So when I saw he was drawing it, I actually like said shit. I was yeah. like, oh man. I was actually looking forward to seeing some Tony Daniel Justice League. Because well, um, the cover by Tony Daniel is pretty great. Yes, it is. I, and I love Brian Hitch on the Ultimates. I, his, yeah, but that, I mean, you know, I do too, but, you know, every once in a while, I'm like, <laughs> exactly. It was yeah. 20 years ago at this point almost, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I was like, ah, you know, I, I really like Brian Hitch, but he's not that great lately. And I'm like, well, that's not really lately. Like, there's more bad Brian Hitch than there's good Brian Hitch at this point. Yeah, so I have to say, I can't argue with anything that's been said. That's definitely all true. And I, the main storyline of the, the alien 
from Mass Effect showing up in the universe was not a good one. I still, like I say, I enjoyed the book, but what I enjoyed it for was that aspect of they don't trust him yet. And Batman's mindset of, well, that means we need to bring him onto the team so we can watch him. Yeah, and this is where I agree with you with Wayne, actually, in that I like the status quo of the yes. Justice League. Right. I like the Green Lanterns. I like the relationship with this new 52 Superman and that there's going to be a growing process there. And I feel like that's enough. And to our earlier point, the 299 prize points is enough um, to bring me in to check out Justice League number one, even though I didn't care for this book. Especially since it's going to be a different artist. Tony Daniel will be art, doing the art on the regular book. Um, so, I, why, I, for me... Why would you hire I, Brian Hitch as a writer? Because I don't he, understand he did, that. I mean, you know, he's... I wonder if that's how DC got him. Like, yes, you can work for us. Um, and they're like, hey, we want you. And he's like, I'll work for you, but I have to be able to write books. And and so they agreed to it. <laughs> <laughs> You know he's he's got a he he did a Justice League miniseries um, pre New Fifty Two that never ended because it it never you know because his art couldn't get it you know done in time. Right. Um, and do you remember so which I, I miniseries think, it was, Paul? I think it was called. I think it was called Justice League. I no, uh, I don't, tales. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 it's, I think like it got ten issues out of the twelve issue series. It's it's either Justice League or Justice League of America or something like that. Um, oh, or maybe it's just called JLA. I think it's just called JLA. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to check out issue one to see if it if it gets better with more of a longer form storytelling instead of trying to jam everything into one issue. And again, two ninety nine price point. I, I, it, it's enough. It, it's cheap enough for me to give it a try. If it was four ninety nine, I wouldn't. If it was three ninety nine, I wouldn't. But for two ninety nine, I'll check it out. Yeah, I'm going to check out the next issue. But boy. I, it's it's sad when I feel like Justice League is the weakest of the Rebirth books. Well, so let's talk about another one. Um, all we're going to talk about is Rebirth books. Uh, <laughs> We've got Batman. Future Quest in there, Paul. Oh, true, yeah. true. <laughs> so let's talk about Batman number two from Tom King and David Finch. Can we talk about, for just a moment, how hot the Tim Sale variant cover is with Solomon Grundy. Yes. God damn, Paul. I was like, I don't know why that's not the main cover because holy shit, that's a great cover. And again, what has Tim Sale been doing lately? Like, we need that guy on a, on a book again. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing lately, but I tell you what, I, I said it, I think, in last week's episode that the Rebirth books have had the best covers. Uh, they're just killing it on covers and that that tim sale cover with solomon grundy and you know batman looking on in the back is just so hot love it love it yeah and yeah that's got, a, that is a great cover everything about that cover is great the colors the art i mean it's it's perfect yeah and i gotta say i'm just gonna i'm just gonna throw it out there i love what they're doing with batman and rebirth i like the batman title and i like the detective comics title uh and i loved what, what was going on here i i dug the hell out of this book I liked the art. You know, I liked the story. I liked everything that was going on. You know, we took a bye week when the the newest issue of Detective Comics came out, mm -hmm. but it was good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like I, you know, that, I like Team Batman. I'm getting a kick yeah, out. I, of I'm that. enjoying it more than I'm enjoying this book, honestly. Really? Um, I'm not not enjoying this book, but I'm enjoying Detective Comics more. Mm -hmm. 
I uh, there the, so you know Batman picks up shortly after uh, Batman number two picks up shortly after the events of Batman number one, where Gotham and Gotham Girl save Batman uh, shortly before uh, he's about to save the plane falling out of the sky, but getting himself killed. Uh, but he saves them. They are these two almost Superman level powered super beings, and they seem to have the, the similar powers, uh, super strength, able to fly, enhanced vision, that kind of thing. And there is a terrific scene where he includes them on his rooftop conference with Commissioner Gordon. Because you know, he's trying to train them. He's trying to demonstrate to them, here's how you be a hero in Gotham City. And he's wanting to see how much he can use these two because they've got these great abilities. And Batman's a little freaked out by the fact that, you know, he is, even though he is an exceptional dude, he's just a dude, right? And he's aware that at some point, some superpowered creature, some alien, some monster is going to take him out. And Dick is going to have to come and be the, the, the backup Batman. And then the same thing will happen to him at some point. So he's he's wanting he's willing to lean towards these superpowered individuals to make Which, sure. that was an interesting conversation because I don't think I've ever read Batman acknowledging that. Yeah, it's kind of a different story, and I think that's one of the reasons I'm grooving to it. So he's willing to lean towards these uh, two superpowered entities. So he includes them in the rooftop conference with Commissioner Gordon, and as he tends to end most of these rooftop conferences with Commissioner Gordon, he just disappears. And it unsettles the hell out of Gotham and Gotham Girl because they're like, wait, where, where'd he go? And they're like, yeah, he, you know, Commissioner Gordon goes, yeah, he does that. And, and they're like, no, we're, we, I, we've got enhanced vision. We can't see him anywhere. This is impossible. How did that happen? And they can't find him. And I just love it. I love it that, that Batman is spooky enough to spook out the greatly superpowered individuals who hover in the air like gods. And they're like, no, no, yeah, yeah this is fucked up. How is he able to do this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is one thing I didn't like, and it's it goes all the way back to like the Schumacher Batman films. I don't like the Statue of Justice existing in Gotham. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that either. It, I, I just hate that whole idea of it's the Statue of Liberty, but with the shield. And it's in Gotham. Get it? Gotham's New York. I, I don't so, like it. I was glad to see it basically broken, and I hope that it goes away and doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about my minor quibble with the book, which isn't really minor. <laughs> it's minor – to everybody else, but it's major to me. Okay. Which is that same scene that Aaron was just talking about with Commissioner Gordon on the rooftop. So they introduce themselves as Gotham and Gotham Girl, and it's an honor to meet you, Commissioner. And then Commissioner Gordon, you know, he fills up his pipe and he says, Is it really easier to fight crime with a mask on? I think it would itch. I'm like, You would fucking know. You were just Batman like a month and a half ago. Yeah, but he was in the like, armor. He, he wasn't wearing a mask. Yes, he, he had he a, had a costume. costume. Just yeah, he had the costume on under the armor. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what? Like, did like did the editor not read that and go, hey, you know what? This guy was Batman just like two months ago. Mm-hmm. Like, and it doesn't really flow. Like, I don't know. That that actually annoyed me. That like, did, are we are we retconning that, or did someone just fuck up? And to me, it just read like a fuck up. Yeah, that's what that's what it sounds like to me. And uh, and then for me, a, a, a point of di- disappointment was Hugo Strange popping up at the end. Why is that? Why does that disappoint you? Because 
I just don't like that character. Like, I'm a little sick of him. Mm. Like, I get they're trying to, you know, goth. He's big in Gotham. He's big in the Arkham games. Um, but I'm just not a fan of the Hugo Strange character. Uh, I I would have rather seen a different character um, be the big bad, just because I I don't know. I'm, I'm, he's one of those characters that never really connected with me, and uh, so when you know they were they had this build up to showing him at the end, I would have rather seen uh, Jonathan Crane, you know, as that care as the 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 big reveal or something. But for me, Hugo Strange, it's like eh, just not it never really been a villain that I've been excited about. So, Paul, in uh, in this whole rebirth thing, as we kind of reset some of the stories in, in uh, uh, the DC universe, do you think we'll get a morbidly obese Amanda Waller? At some point, are we just going to see her just going nuts at the moon pies, and next thing you know, you know, she, she's shopping at Lane Bryant? I mean, are, are we going to see that? <laughs> Lane Bryant. <laughs> I'd hope so. Because <laughs> I, re- I cannot abide, you know, Slender Slim... Uh, Amanda Waller. She just doesn't seem well, right. Well, the problem is that's what we have in uh, Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's not right either. Yeah. Did you see the um, the ad for Batgirl at the end of the book? I did, yes. I'm curious about that. I mean, well, it's Rebirth, and it's we, we've already talked about how we're going to give books a try. Yeah. Um, but Raphael Albuquerque, like, I like the art on the cover. I'm going to give that one a shot. Who's writing it? Um, Hope, Hope Larson. Hope Larson. I don't know who that is. Nor do I, um, but I mean, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, you know, I'll I, I, uh, I'll give it the number one. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, speaking of, um, so we're sticking with the DC thing. The CW announced uh, had a couple of big announcements this week. Um, one is that for anyone who really enjoys that binge watching uh, on Netflix of their CW shows, mm-hmm. um, they made a deal with Netflix that the, you know, typically what would happen is the when the series came out on DVD, it would show it would come up on Netflix, right, right? or DVD or Blu-ray. Um, now CW has made a deal with Netflix that Netflix will now get the new season of the show eight days after the season finale. Oh wow! For like all um, shows for all of their CW shows. Yeah, for all the CW shows that they, no, no, for all CW shows that they show on on Netflix, um, the deal with Supergirl is that um, Supergirl, the first season, is going to re-air on the CW um, starting in August. Oh, that's great! So they're going to show the entire first season of Supergirl on the CW, and on top of that, they announced that uh, Constantine is now available. The entire uh, series of Constantine is available on their CW Seed app, so you can stream that um, for free through the CW too so i mean they 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 really they they are investing in their dc properties it seems that the cwc app the only thing i've watched over there is the green arrow animated feature have you guys watched have you guys watched that Mm -mm. it is so good it is so good yeah it's voiced by the one with vixen in it yeah okay yeah it is so good and it's voiced by Stephen amell and it's a d- direct tie-in to the series or i should say that the series that the green arrow series episode with vixen is a tie-in to that animated uh uh show and it's so good i mean i really wish that we got a regular continuing uh version of that because man it was I, I i thoroughly enjoyed it huh i'll have to check it out yeah, you know they they uh... They also announced that John Barrowman is signed on as a, you know, how um, Wentworth Miller signed on as a series regular across all the DC shows mm-hmm. um, starting next year. Apparently, John Barrowman has made the same deal. So he'll be appearing on Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, and 
Flash next year. Good for him. I like that these guys are getting work. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, pretty big week for the CW and DC properties. And with Supergirl showing on the CW, you know, starting from the beginning, I may check it out now, you know, because now I have the opportunity to check it out as a weekly show when nothing else is on, you know, during the summer and, uh, you know, kind of start from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I can almost really keep up with it now on Netflix. Right. That makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I really enjoyed Supergirl as a series. It wasn't perfect. It had some annoying aspects to it, but it gave me a Superman story when I wasn't getting one that I liked. It was the it was the perfect show for the perfect time for me. Well, and the the Flash Supergirl crossover is just joyous to watch. I mean, you can't watch it without just a big stupid grin on your face. It's yeah, so I've still not seen fun. it because it's, it was on Supergirl. Yeah, it was so much fun. Well, now here's the thing. So they they have this big poster now of um, you know San Diego Comic Con coming up mm-hmm. of the you know the DC lineup on uh, the CW, and so it's like Monday is Supergirl, Tuesday is Flash, Wednesday is Arrow, and Thursday is Legends of Tomorrow. Well, the good but, news you know, is you that... don't have to watch Legends of Tomorrow because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, right in the middle of the poster is Supergirl, and I'm like, if I was Stephen Amell or Grant Gustin, I'd be like. What the hell? Like, come on. Because <laughs> um, she is like front and center and everyone else is behind her. I'm like, like I'd be a okay. little slighted. So, okay, let's take odds. Does Stephen Amell, I mean, I'm sorry, does Green Arrow tap that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> no. No, no, no. I think there's got to be some kind of hot Green Arrow Supergirl action. Yeah. Especially if they go Flashpoint universe with uh, it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if anyone, well, no, because he wouldn't follow through on it. I was going to say if anyone's going to tap it, it's going to be Flash, but oh, he's he won't follow slow. through. It'll be just like the flirtation with Felicity where nothing will ever come of it. Right. Yeah, Flash is a pussy. Yeah. Arrow will hit it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get it. Get it. Get it, Dolly. Show Get title. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, as long as we're talking about Flash for half a second, is it just me or should they not make a 4XL Flash t-shirt? Does that does that seem wrong to anybody else? <laughs> no, not at all. Because that's all I ever seem to see of that specific T-shirt. Is a four XL? <laughs> is is yes, that's, being modeled. By the way, I'm like hysterical. that's that's wrong. <laughs> sort of like you're wearing his flash shoes. Hey, what do you mean? I'm I'm, I'm slickery fast. <laughs> For that two steps, oh, sure. <laughs> Before we talk about the next book, since we're talking about T-shirts, did you guys see that there's a at San Diego Comic Con they're having they're going to have exclusive um, DC Watchmen crossover T-shirts? So it's going to be like the Batman symbol or the Superman symbol or the Wonder Woman symbol, but with the stream of blood like the, on the smiley oh, face. Yeah. Well, no, that's bean so juice. The, that's bean juice, Paul. Or bean juice. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's kind of cool. Like, they're, they're, they're definitely investing in this Watchmen DC crossover thing. That is kind of cool. I would like one of them, yeah, but yeah. I'm not going to San Diego. I'm gone. Yeah. Well, you can get it on eBay for $500, so. <laughs> exactly. For about 10 times what someone in store in, in paid for it at Comic-Con. That's right. that's right. You know, kind of like that old Rocket Raccoon mug from New York Comic-Con. <laughs> I got one eventually. That? I got one eventually. Yeah, you just gotta you just gotta wait that out yeah. till someone's like desperate to finally sell it because no one bought it. Well, Andrew got it for me, so that's how I waited that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> he's not listening. To this. <laughs> well, he's listening to it, but about six months from now. <laughs> yeah, he's a little delayed on his listening. 
So, Wayne, you said that you weren't getting Superman stories that you liked, so you had to watch Supergirl. Is yep. Pete Tomasi and Patrick Gleason's Superman number two a Superman story that you enjoyed? Oh, definitely. I, uh, I am so glad to be buying a regular Superman book again. So, yeah, so um, this one followed up on the uh, the last one that we did review with uh, you know his son Jonathan frying their cat, not in a skillet, but with his heat vision. Yes, with the heat vision. Just wanted to, just, he wasn't. Oh, that would have been better. He wasn't making some sort of kitty cat fricassee. Uh, you know, he forgot the butter. Mm, God, delicious, Let's delicious kitty on. cat. <laughs> Getting teriyaki. Oh, um, oh, I hit it with a, little, a couple of orange slices. Oh man. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> now I need Chinese for lunch. <laughs> so before we, I want to talk about something because Jonathan in this episode in this issue admits to to frying the cat accidentally. Yeah. And you know he he says. He, he admits it to, to his father and he says, all I can do is say I'm sorry and ask you, Mom, to please forgive me. And he says, do you think Mom will be mad? And Superman goes, I think she'll be proud. And I'm like, he still killed the fucking cat. Yeah, I had that reaction too, Paul. <laughs> it's like, no, she's not going to be proud. She might be happy that he tells the truth. But no, proud is not the word. Yeah, I do think that, that the kind of shorthand of that conversation and that there probably needed to be another line of dialogue to, you know, drive that home. You know, because he's proud well, that, that he was able to confess to it, that he's not proud of it, that he overreacted and wasn't, you know, used his powers inadvertently. But yeah, uh, yeah they shorthanded that conversation. But let me tell you, I assumed when they had that story element where he, you know, heat visioned the cat and just incinerated it and the, the bird. Um, I assumed this was going to be an ongoing, you know, uh, point of drama for the character. And let me tell you, one of the things I've thoroughly enjoyed about the Rebirth books, in every single one of them, is that they're not decompressed. You know, they are not dragging out story beats, as we have seen in other books, you know, and as we see a lot over in the Marvel books. Um, I love that that we are quickly re, uh, resolving story points as opposed to dragging them out for a ridiculous period of time. I dug that because I fully anticipated we were going to get six or 12 issues of that. And the fact that he came clean in the very next issue and that it's not going to be this wedge between he and his parents, uh, that was great. Well, and I like that Superman knew. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, I, I did have that when I was reading them. I was like, well... You know, he can hear, you know, he's got the super hearing, he's got the supervision. And what I liked is, well, you know, he's got the super smell as well. And that doesn't mean that he's got the super stink. That means that he can smell, you know, he can sense smell. I'm not saying that Superman's got super body odor, but I think that would follow, you know. I mean, you know, he, he's he's doing super deeds, so he's going to super sweat. So, yeah, maybe he does have some super stink. The new flavor of Axe Body Spray, Kryptonite Blast. <laughs> I feel like that's a tie-in that they missed out on. Night blast axe spray looks a little green. Yes, I like it. Axe, call us. We got ideas. Super stink. <laughs> Stupid. I don't know that super stink would sell as well as kryptonite blast. Well, I mean, you know, when, when they're selling like some laundry detergent, you know, and you're having to wash his uh, his uh, you know the red underwear that goes on the outside of the pants, you know, because I mean that. It, it, 
he's out there. He's working really hard. He's working super hard. He's going to have some super sweat, and he is oh, going to yeah. have a super swamp crotch. That's all so, I'm saying. Like, what's her I feel name? like we just wrote a commercial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's what's her name from the from Amy Adams or whatever? We'll get her in like you know a sunny like laundry room, going, oh god, <laughs> <laughs> having to wear a gas mask. Yep. yep. <laughs> Call us tied. <laughs> we have ideas. That's right. Uh, before Justice one other comes thing out. that they pointed out is that his heat vision seems to be ridiculously strong. Yes. I, I, nobody seemed to comment on that, on how strong and uncontrolled his heat vision appears to be. Because he burned the shit out of Pops, right? Yeah. Uh, Super Dad got his, his back burned. You know, I mean, you know, to, to such an extent that we see Lois, you know, applying medication to his back. I'm like... What kind of bomb does she have that's going to help Superman here? You know, oh, let's write another commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and all I got to say, Paul, all I got to say, Wayne, eradicator. Right. Uh, I, Fuck to the yeah. Yeah. I, that's always been one of my favorite of the alternate costumes, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. I got so excited to see him show up. Yeah, I fuck i mean paul's throwing his money at uh, he-man versus kitty cats i'm throwing my money at eradicator i just you boy give it to me now yep yes. same here and he looks like the eradicator yeah. like i thought they established a new eradicator in the new 52 i have no idea i'm um, reading it but i, I don't yeah either I, i'm gonna pretend that that eradicator didn't exist because i get eradicator i just fuck <laughs> i just fuck so good yeah so good. Yeah, this book was so good. Yeah. And man, Pat Gleason. Yeah, I will follow it. that guy anywhere. Killing it. It's so good. So wonderful. And, and did this... you know the the wealth of Superman Spit Curl throughout this book? Oh yes. I mean, it's just like, you know, what I like is he's wearing the uh new fifty two Superman suit, but you can tell it's him because he's got the spit curl. Well, mm-hmm. besides that, they made a few changes to the suit for him, like the uh the oh, cape and that but i also noticed like throughout the book it seems like every time they have an opportunity they put shadow over the crotch to make it look like he's got the uh agreed agreed it does make it look like he's wearing the you know his underwear on the outside of his pants yeah i mean he's not it's clear he's not but they kind of make it look like he is and it looks better because the costume needs something there to break it up completely agree it looks great. I, I'm just I'm digging this book so much. I even you know it's very posed. It's very uh, almost variant coverish, but there is a full page of the Kents, uh, you know Superman and Jonathan both wearing their Superman clothes, uh, sitting with Lois as they're burying the cat. And I mean, and it's it's just a very pleasant picture of their of their family. And you, uh, Lois is even depicted as she looks sad about her cat, but she looks proud of her son. You know. Uh, I, I, I dug that page and it's, you know, they, they earn so much goodwill with me throughout the telling of this story that it's fine that they can do that. They do say pride comes before the x-ray vision, Aaron. I think that's a Shakespeare. <laughs> line. It, it just goes to show you that, you know, for all that bluster about how Superman is such a hard character to write uh-huh. and that's why we're going to reinvent him for the new 52. Yeah. He's really not. Yeah. I mean, like the, there are people Jeff Johns and now Pete Tomasi and Dan um, Jurgens, Dan Jurgens, uh-huh. that get the character 
Yeah. Just, and, and, you, and, and make it seem so natural. I'm not saying it's easy. I shouldn't say it's easy. But they write this character so naturally. It's I love they it. They make it look easy. And you know yeah. what else that spits in the face of? All those people that said you can't have a married superhero. Right. That people don't relate to a married superhero and don't relate to superheroes with children. And this just flies in the face of all of that and shows, yes, you can do it. It can work very well. And you don't need to make deals with the devil to get rid of a marriage. <laughs> he'll be di- he'll be divorced by issue twelve. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> you shut your hole. They were never married to begin with. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> like Aquaman and Mira. That's right. Well, you know they're engaged. I don't know what it's like when you take your favorite character and crap all over it, Wayne. So I don't know where I'm coming from on that. <laughs> you have no experience in this. None. Yeah, none. I'm just talking on my ass. Yeah. So Aquaman number two continues the assault on the uh, Atlantean embassy on the uh, surface world. Paul, what'd you think? You know, so we talked about Aquaman number one and um, actually, did we talk about Aquaman number one? That might have been on the bye week. We talked about rebirth number one, but not Aquaman number one. You may be correct there. And so, you know, Aquaman number one came out and it it featured uh, the the, the main storyline is that Aquaman is trying to broker these peace talks between the Atlanteans and the surface worlds. And so he has built this large facility, basically like the UN of Atlantis and the surface world. And, uh, you know, there's this opening ceremony where all the presses and all these world leaders are, and um, Black Manta attacks it like bombs and everything. And, uh, you know, so this issue was the, Surprisingly, you know, we talked about how these things wrap up quickly. It feels like it already wrapped up the first storyline in the second issue. Right. Uh, you know, this this feels like if we were in New 52 or Marvel, this would be a six-issue series. Right. Um, six-issue storyline. But it wrapped up in issue two, this Black Manta versus Aquaman storyline. And, you know, so I'm going to call back to something we, to Tarzan because we talked about that last week and how Jiman Hansu's character – is kind of this tragic villain mm-hmm. that he, he 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 is justified in his anger against Tarzan. Yeah, and it's funny that th- we had such a similar story today in Aquaman. Yeah, or this week in Aquaman, where Black Manta is truly justified in his anger to Aquaman. Yeah, and I I loved the way that there that this storyline wrapped up. Um, you know, Aquaman, if you're not familiar, killed Black Manta's father by accident, thinking it was. Black Manta. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me, Paul. Oh, all the time. I mean, constantly killing people's parents by accident. It just, it's really, it's kind of like one of those things you just do. It's a learning. It, what do we call those? We call those um, a teaching a, a teaching experience? Yeah, a learning, a learning event. Yeah. A learning <laughs> moment. Yeah. It's a learning moment. Yeah. Yeah. I try, I try to learn from it. I do. Yeah, but you know. It just I'm not a fast learner. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bit remedial. <laughs> <laughs> so I I really um, I really liked this issue. I really like I, I like this take on Aquaman. I do too. Um, I, I think Dan Abnett's doing a strong job telling his Aquaman story over there. I like mm-hmm. I really do like the the idea of the Atlantean embassy spin spinward spindrift something like that. Yeah. Uh, what I don't like is that they, they launched this embassy in issue one, and by the end of issue one, they've blown up the embassy. You know, they've they really, you know, done a, a great deal of destroying to the embassy. I do hope that, that we get to 
you know, rebuild the embassy <laughs> yeah. and maybe not destroy it quite so much. Um, I like the introduction of the uh, the officer from the British Royal Navy. Uh, the one who says crikey every other panel? Yeah, crikey! Does it make you... Every other panel, yeah. she says, "Crikey!" And what, what amuses me is Dan Abnett's British, and so he's writing this, and, and he's throwing the crikey in there. Amuses me, but she is Lieutenant Joanna Stubbs, and I like her a great deal. Yeah. I, I, you know, why he's throwing crikey in every other panel? Because that's what British people sound like. <laughs> Just saying. I haven't heard her say "cheers" though, Paul. Oh, cheers, cheers. That's my move, not yeah, crikey. Yeah. Apparently, I need to switch to crikey. Yeah, apparently. Maybe maybe your 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 British accent would be more, I don't know, credible. <laughs> if I said crikey if instead said of crikey. Cheer. Yeah. Crikey. Yeah. Crikey. Yeah. <laughs> Work on it, Paul. But <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll get right on that. But yeah, I I, I I I really did dig this book. And, you know, the ending sets up a return for Black Manta. Uh, yeah. And I don't know who that woman is. There, he is uh, freed as he's being, you know, taken off to jail. He is freed by a, a squad of some such, and uh, I don't know who she is. You know, she she is a woman in black leathers. She's got some sort of red eye monocle with, and and that 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 monocle seems to be duplicated uh, down the front of her her of her leathers. And yeah. I, I don't know who she is. Neither do I. And he's not in the Suicide Squad book, so it's not tied to that. Yeah. But but I'm, I'm enjoying Aquaman. I, I really am. And uh, another book that I'm enjoying Sorry. is Green Arrow. Yeah, so uh, we got to see Green Arrow murdered in the first issue of his, uh, of his book. And so the second issue, what are we going to do? Because Green Arrow is murdered, right? Well, you know, he's murdered-ish. <laughs> well, tell us about it, Paul. <laughs> so Green Arrow number two features... Um, you know, the, the, you think Green Arrow has been murdered. He's not. He's fine. I mean, he's injured, but he's fine. Um, he's rescued by characters who I, I'm not familiar with. Um, I guess someone established in the New 52 universe. Mm -hmm. um, but meanwhile, Black Canary is is looking for him because she knows he's not dead. Right. And uh, we also get John Diggle making an appearance in the book. Um, and I just, for me, I, I'm... And Shadow is in the book as well. Uh, not Shadow, Amico. And Shadow. Shadow. And, Shadow. Yeah. Yeah, right. Shadow and Amico. So, you know, it, it's kind of this... They're, they're taking New 52, pre-New 52, and TV universe and kind of combining them into one Green Arrow book. Yeah. And I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying kind of this, you know, amalgamation of the, the, the aspects of Green Arrow that I like. Because I love John Diggle in the TV show, and he was introduced as part of the TV show and then brought into the comics after. Yeah. And I, I like I love his character in the TV show. I'm not as familiar with him in the comic books. There is a laugh-out-loud moment in this book. <laughs> yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Green Arrow has been recovered. You know, he was his body was dumped overboard uh, in a boat, after he's been shot through with arrows and whatnot, his body washes up on shore. Uh, he is rescued by, uh, uh, I forget the guy's name, but one of the guys who works on his team. And, mm. you know, he falls into this dream state. Unfortunately, it doesn't go on for too long, but it's a page and a half. And he's back and forth macking out with Black Canary. And so he's having, you know, an erotic dream about Black Canary. And as he wakes up, it is this, you know, ancient and venerable Asian woman that he was kissing. 
<laughs> and she's the woman who uh, who has been you know nursing him back to health. And you know, she as he wakes up, you know, she's like, "Well, hey, your pretty friend is awake, and he isn't a bad kisser." <laughs> and she's got like a tooth in her head. It's pretty yeah. hysterical. It is, yeah. and I like that this feels like like the Oliver Queen pre New Fifty Two. It does. It does. Not, not. They didn't just change his look to look that way. He also has that feel because I've I read a number of the New Fifty Two Green Arrow books, and it didn't feel like this Oliver Queen right. to me. Yeah, no, I think they've done a nice job, and you know, it certainly feels like the Green Arrow that I know and love. Mm. So I, I'm so thumbs up on Green Arrow, big thumbs up. And uh, moving from Green Arrow to Green Lanterns, Tim read this book with us this week. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the Simon Baz. Um, gosh, I always forget her name. Jessica Cruz. Yeah, uh, Green Lantern team. They they are the two Green Lanterns of Earth. She's a little bit country. Are... He's a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> oh, pretty much exactly. <laughs> Written by Sam Humphreys, pencils by Robson Rocha. Uh, Tim, what did you think of Green Lanterns number two? Man, it's really hard to not not hit a home run for me when you have Red Lanterns. I love the Red Lanterns. Wait, can I make a complaint about the Red Lanterns? You, you sure can. You know, like Atrocitus. Yeah. You know, I mean, what kind of what kind of future did this kid have when his mom named him Atrocitus when he was born? <laughs> I, you know, I mean, you really kind of just paint the kind of life this person's going to have. It's like if it's almost like Wayne should have been named Jackassitus when he was born. <laughs> Wait, it's like I didn't even read this book. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's my problem. Uh, with you could have gone with Paul being named Gullivus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It just, it just, it, that was the first thing that came to mind, Wayne. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love this book. I love the art on it. Uh, Rob, Rob, Robson Roca just killed. The colors are good. The colors are by a guy named Blonde or a girl named Blonde. That's very weird to me. Whatever. Um, but no, I, I love this book. I, I, it's weird to see Simon Baz as like the competent, like, <laughs> veteran. Right. <laughs> um, but I guess compared to Jessica, who can't do hardly a damn thing, right. uh, he is. It's also a little disconnecting after having read Justice League to see that she can't hardly do shit. Right. Um, yeah. But that's okay. I'm going to disregard Justice League Rebirth. Um, and I like the fact that Simon has to try to convince her to think cosmically. That was an interesting conversation. Yeah. You got to be epic. You got to be epic, right? <laughs> um, the part that I like is uh, at the end where they're staring at it, it appears to be like some like red lantern graffiti in the sky. Right. And Jessica says, this is all up to us. And Simon says, God, I hope not. <laughs> I, I, I really, I really dug this book. I'm really happy to be on a green lanterns and hopefully I won't have to buy three other ones. When they start doing, you know, events, right. I, you know, well, I'm sure you will. That's kind of the move. I, I really enjoyed this book, but you know, something came up in the book, and it's it's a hot button issue for me in superhero comics. Uh, irritates the shit out of me when the superhero refers to their their superhero outfit as a costume, and even more so for a Green Lantern to do it because they're they're you know 
space cops. And, you know, mm-hmm. policemen don't refer to their, their outfits as costumes. They refer to them as uniforms. And I would think yeah. that if you're if you're doing that kind of business, especially if you're a Green Lantern, but even if you're Superman, you shouldn't refer to it as your costume. These are your work clothes, right? I don't play dress up to go to work. I wear my work clothes. And for these guys who are out there fighting a battle and they've got their emblem on it because it means something, that's their uniform. I, I kind of took that. And you're referring to Jessica Cruz, right? Correct. Referring to it as a costume, right? For me, I took that as she's new. You know, I, I think that's excusable. But we hear other people, other heroes, say the same thing, and that's why it, it, it bugs me because it's it's not a costume; it's a uniform. And Agreed. yes, I can excuse that for Jessica Cruz, but except that I hear that from other from other characters, superheroes. Uh, frequently in in the comics, and it happens in in all comics. They just the writer doesn't think of it as a uniform, and that's what it is. Yeah. Now, for me, the the, the characterization of Simon Baz, like I, I didn't follow Simon Baz through the, um, you know, after Jeff Johns basically introduced him, I didn't really follow him in the New Fifty Two, but he seems awfully excited to be a Green Lantern, right? In, in this book, I'm a Green Lantern being or I'm Simon Baz being a Green Lantern is awesome. Green Lanterns do awesome stuff. And I'm like, when did Simon Baz get so excited right. to be a Green Lantern, like so happy about it? And I think he had a Red Bull. That I missed something. He had a Red Bull. Yeah, Red Bull. I mean, that's how he reads in this book. Like he is honestly, he reads like Guy Gardner right. in this book um, more than the Simon Baz that was introduced. But that's not saying anything that um, is bad. I, I, I like his characterization. It just feels like I've missed a portion of his life <laughs> that brought him to this place. I, I really like the interplay between Jessica and her sister in the flashback, you know, where uh-huh. Jessica, you know, Jessica and her sister are out in the backyard trying to figure out how to work the ring. I love so, And they, they sound like sisters. The, the conversation between those two characters sounds very genuine. And I love that, you know, Jessica's like, okay, uh, f- your know, ring, uh, make me fly. And then, you know, that she flies, you know, oh, this is really cool. Okay, ring, put me put me down. And, I mean, the ring just drops her, right? And so she crashes into the ground, and, uh, you know, she's like, oh, my God, I'm dying. And the ring's like, negative, you're, you're fine. You know, no no broken bones, no, uh, no uh, contusions, yada, yada. And she says, no, I'm dying of embarrassment. And then the ring, functioning as a straight man, says, scanning for embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> The, the the ring the ring was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, there's a couple other lines like that. Yeah, I was cracking the hell up. Um, what I, I love this. I love the story of the teddy bear that gets to go into space and fight <laughs> the Red Lantern. Yeah, Simon them. Bass thinks nothing about looting the story that that, that yeah. all the uh, rage zombies yeah. are in. Oh, look, I can give this to my nephew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's not really what heroes do, Simon Bass. <laughs> Payment for services rendered. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'd do it. <laughs> this 50, this sixty-inch TV is payment for services rendered. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that is that. This is mine. Yep. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, I think that I think that this is a super strong book. I, I dug it quite a bit. I agree, and. The, the last book we'll talk about for well no we actually have two more books but I want to just touch on um, one of them but Future Quest number two came out this week written by Jeff Parker art by Doc Shaner and, well I should say art by Doc Shaner and another guy yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jonathan uh, and Ron Randall and Jonathan Case there are three artists on this book and Aaron you didn't have much to say about this book um, 
probably because we enjoyed it just as much as we enjoyed the first issue. Mm -hmm. And there's really not much new to say. But I wanted to talk about it because I have concerns. Okay. Hit me, Paul. The first issue had at least two artists. This second issue has three artists. And I believe the third issue is a fill-in book. Yes. What the hell is happening? I don't understand it. I, I number one, I, I, I mean, Doc Shaner has gotten books out on time, so I don't know if it's is it is it is he no longer fast? Like, what happened? I don't know. I don't I don't know what the what the slowdown is, and it it concerns me that that having a fill in issue so early in is going might be the death of the series. Um, I would rather that I, 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 I hate to say this, but I'd rather that they just missed a month. You know, or that they yeah, had... I'd rather get six issues out. Yeah. Just I mean, like, why didn't like, I don't know who the issue is here that's causing the delays, but I'd have to imagine since the book was announced with Doc Shaner as the main artist, I'd have to imagine it's him. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I love the book, but I would like to see a little bit more uh, world building. Rather than just you know, running through the uh, anonymous jungle, and I, know that, I agree with you, um, I, and I felt the same way. Yeah, um, I, uh, that works for a first issue. The second issue is where you pull back into your exposition. Exactly, and we didn't get and there was yeah exactly. I don't get me wrong, love the book. I particularly love the the space ghost stuff. Um, you know, that is a lot of fun, and the the. Uh, uh, action in the book, you know, both in space as well as, you know, on Earth is really very enjoyable. I just, I feel like that's kind of the problem that some of the Dynamite books got into in the King's World is, you know, where they just were just kind of fighting in anonymous locales. And I, I really well, want to get a bigger sense of the world around them. Well, and here's my thing with this book. Um and in those dynamite books, uh, to a certain extent, don't expect that I know who these characters are. Yeah. Because there is no exposition to explain who Space Ghost is. Right. Or the, the only character who has really been established in any way was Johnny Quest, right. because you got his family and things like that. Oh, so yeah. inherently, you get a little bit of the status quo there, but none of the humanoids or any of those. Yeah, you're really experiencing, you're, you're almost experiencing the world exclusively through Johnny Quest. Uh, I say almost because there is stuff that we're seeing that Johnny isn't privy to. But for mm. most of the action, you're seeing it from Johnny's point of view. Um, so, you know, you know as much about a Space Ghost as Johnny does, which is to say nothing. Um, and you're yeah. right. I mean, this is—it's not at all new reader friendly. They don't—they don't do anything to help out a new reader. Um, it's almost like Paul. They could have done some one-shot tie-ins to 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 explain some of these characters for you. Yeah. But of course, that would have further know, slowed down the stories. Exactly. You know. And for me, I have faith in Jeff Parker because of Agents of Atlas Absolutely. and because of King's Watch. Yep. He has done this type of book. And it has worked stellar before, and the Flash Gordon series. Right. Um, so I, you know, I, I will continue to give this book a shot. Um, You're but just worried. If it's, I, I'm, I, I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm concerned because it's not. It started off strong, and it's you know started off exciting, and then I expected a pullback and some more exposition and some more explanation, and I'm not getting it yet. Yeah. I will. And we're seeing multiple artists, and we're seeing fill-in issues, so it's it's concerning. I did kind of love the cover with Bandit full on in the center of the book of, of the cover. Yeah, I, I just I'm I'm down for that. I'm down for that. Yeah, yeah. 
I am too. I mean, it's it's. I, I'm still enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Just I have concerns. Yeah. And Paul, uh, we haven't talked about this, but uh, a cover that's featured in uh, all of the DC books this week, you know, an advertisement, I should say, uh, that they're pushing pretty hard on us is the Rebirth, Red Hood, and the Outlaws issue one. Mm-hmm. Um, they keep pushing. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm not picking that thing up. Yeah, I mean, it, here's the, here's my concern with it. Uh huh. It's written by Scott Lobdell. Damn still. straight. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> You know, I, I, I like Red Hood as a character. I like and it shows like Bizarro appears to be one of the characters. Uh-huh. And I guess Artemis uh-huh. is the other. I think that team is pretty cool sounding. Uh-huh. Like I would generally be interested in reading that book if it was written by somebody else. Yeah, yeah. not not going to. Yeah. Also, no. as long as we're making fun of uh, ads, All Star Batman. You guys see the ad for that one? I did not. No, we, it's not in the digitals. <sighs> so what's the ad? Uh, it's goose. Batman. It, well, it's it's a John Romita Jr. Batman. Oh my God, no! <laughs> and uh, and uh, he's holding a batarang. How, how big do you think a batarang is, Aaron? Oh, you know, it's uh, what uh, six inches, five inches wide. Um, he's holding something that looks the size of a baseball bat. <laughs> and it's a batarang. Yeah, it's, it's it like is, a bat. All right, it's a it you no, know, it's a bat a bat. Perfect. It's like if you had a crowbar and you put little cowl marks on it. That's basically what he's got in his hands. It's not. That's. It's not a battering guy. <laughs> oh yuck! Thanks, thanks, John Romita Jr. Yeah. So let's talk about a big disappointment for me this week. Just real briefly, I want to talk now, about. Now, hold on before you reveal. <laughs> I could have told you this was going to be a problem, but. Now you can go. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think you can. You can. You can go back a couple of episodes back, and Wayne and I, I think, both predicted this was going to be a problem. But you go, Paul. Yeah. So, I, 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 so the Flintstones, written by Mark Russell, art by Steve Pugh, came out this week, and you know I, I've enjoyed the Hair and Barbera titles that I picked up so far. I've enjoyed Future Quest. I've enjoyed Scooby Doo. The Flintstones. It was one of my favorite cartoons growing up. I loved the Flintstones and the Jetsons. And so I wanted to give this book a shot. And I had read some interesting aspects about it, comparing it to Mad Men and talking about class structure and things like that. Um, Before it came out, I'm like, "Eh, it doesn't really sound like the type of Flintstones that I want to read. But it is exactly the type of Flintstones that I got. Um, This book is... It's so it's it's like a dark humor, very adult, um, and I it, I just I really didn't like it. Um, it's just not a pleasant book to read. So in this first issue, let me let me just establish the status quo here. Um, Fred and Barney are veterans of the Paleolithic Wars. <laughs> um, <laughs> With the PTSD that comes along with being a veteran of war. Oh shit! So they attend. uh, uh, They attend a um, like a group discussion where one of the guys breaks down and starts crying. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read this. Um, They wouldn't leave the forest. 
The idea that we wanted their land was completely alien to them. They didn't understand land ownership. The poor bastards didn't stand a chance. We set fire to their trees. When the smoke cleared, there were dead tree people everywhere. And I'm like, huh. And Mr. Slate, you know, who, who is Fred's boss, uh, has Fred, he, he wants to hire these Neanderthals because Neanderthals have three times the strength of normal men. So basically, Fred has to show them out on the town. Um, and so, you know, it, it's the, the book is about Fred trying to convince these Neanderthals, show them all the pretty things that are, are going on in bedrock and, and convince them to work for Mr. Slate. And they attend a, a party at Mr. Slate's house, which is very, you know, and, and, and Mr. Slate is like this complete bastard where he's like, I will give you a whole bag of money if one of you Neanderthals eats a tarantula. Are there dollar signs um, on the bag? No, no. It's actually <laughs> – and then he convinces one of them to – to um, because he's drunk and he's like – and he's an asshole. So he convinces one of the Neanderthals to go kill a, 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 a mastodon. And, and when he goes to do it, the, he basically gets crushed by a giant block of ice. And I'm like, this book is really kind of depressing. You know, uh, uh, Star Trek, when they license things out, you still have to work with Star Trek to make sure that you don't uh, do something terrible to their property. In fact, I was listening to an interview with one of the, the attorneys that's over the IP management for Star Trek. And they were talking about an example where uh, Wesley Crusher in, in a Star Trek novel is touring the uh, – the, the galaxy with his new traveler powers, right? Because that's how he exited the series as he became a traveler. And he rips out someone's still beating heart from their chest. I'm like, no, that's not how really Wesley would act in this situation. And I'm thinking that Hanna-Barbera has not executed the same level of IP management with the Flintstones. Because this doesn't sound like, you know, the Flintstones. I, yeah, it's, it's sort of a fun book. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like Paul should be mandatorily reading this. From yeah, me. no, I I think we 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 need the updates each time when issue comes out, Paul. And and if the dates were different, I think he'd be trolling us for April Fool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, like nobody's gonna read this goddamn book but me. I'll just make shit up. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so weird. And don't get me wrong, I never saw Mad Men, but and maybe if this was a book about a different property, it, I'd okay with it, but. It didn't feel Flintstones to me. Like, Scooby-Doo still has a, a, a fun aspect to it, and this book just wasn't fun. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm so far out that, uh, yeah, I, I, like, I have no interest. It was just so odd. Well, are you going to pick up the Pebbles and Bam Bam spinoff? <laughs> the only <laughs> the, the, from from that porn book company. Yeah, no. That's right. That's I was right. just going to think the arson is fun storyline. <laughs> oh, yeah, this Paul. was a tough read. I I I really just uh, yeah. I'm I'm I, I was, well. I, I just I was reading, I'm like, what the hell am I reading? <laughs> <laughs> so Paul, what comes out next week? All right. So, so next too. week there's. Yes. Uh, yeah. Flintstones number two. No. Um, there's a book from uh, Dark Horse, which I may check out because it's a number one. And uh, it's Conan the Slayer. And, you know, Conan's one of those characters that I, I, I enjoy reading. But 
you know, I, I never really end up picking up the book, but C- Cullen Bunn is the writer on this new Conan book. Um, art by Sergio Davila, who I'm not familiar with. Uh, alone, battle-weary, and with nothing but a sword, Conan of Cimmeria faces his inevitable death in the arid wastes, but instead stumbles into a camp of Kazaki raiders. With a knife at his throat and a band of Turanian hunters at his back, will the half-dead barbarian find a new ally in the Kozaki chief? Like, it says a, per- a perfect jumping-on point for new readers. I'll give it a shot. It sounds kind of interesting. Um, branch out from the, the DC Marvel stuff. Uh, but from DC, we get new issues of Action Comics, Detective Comics, Flash, um, and Wonder Woman, as well as New Superman number one and Nightwing Rebirth number one. Aaron, did you read Wonder Woman number one? I did. I I liked it more than the Rebirth book. I, I did too. I did too. I'm in. So yeah, so I may check out myself. I will likely check out Wonder Woman number two next week. Yeah, no, I th- and there's there, there have been very few Rebirth books that I'm that I'm not picking up the next issues on. Uh, Fair point. And the only reason I'm picking, I'm, I'm willing to give Justice League one more shot. One more. So that's all you get. You see, one more. <laughs> So that and a whole bunch of other stuff that we're not going to read next week on Funny Books. Yahoo! All right. Well, uh, Paul, Tim, Jack Acetus, see you next week. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.